0: Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. Hey everybody, this is Charlie Gilkey from Productive Flourishing, and I am really excited today because I'm on the horn with Jeffrey Davis from Tracking Wonder, and we have an interesting discussion that we want to have around, well, basically how not to be an idea thief. Um, The the core of this conversation is about um, influence, attribution, and the public comment of ideas. Um, We'll talk a little bit about that. So I'm Charlie Gilkey from Productive Flourishing. To make a long story very, very short, I help people start finishing the stuff that matters. Work with so many different thought leaders and entrepreneurs and creatives that are really creating good stuff in the public comment of ideas. And so there's some challenges that happen that, you know, I'm really interested to talk to Jeffrey about. Jeffrey, go ahead and plug yourself. Sure.
1: I'm Jeffrey Davis with Tracking Wonder, and I help business artists, creatives, and authors ultimately shape their captivating stories, whether that's in books, their Brand identities, um, other projects and programs. So, uh, Charlie and I share a lot of uh, mental bandwidth, and uh, and we seem to just, you know, have this direct connection sometimes without even talking. So I'm very excited to unpack some of those direct connections in this conversation about about influence and about uh, thievery intentionally, artistically, unconsciously, and more.
0: Yeah. And this is one of those times where I get to like say, Did I did I borrow or steal that from Jeffrey? Or did we co create that together? Or how did that come about? So it's on record this time, so I don't have to I don't have to be wondering in the middle of drafting or, or speaking an idea. That's right. <laughs> righty. Right. so I guess here's here's basically the setup. We are swimming in a pool of ideas, whether we wanna talk about Wikipedia, whether we wanna talk about the academic institution as is, whether we wanna talk about the news, the blogosphere, we live in this sea of ideas that we swim in. And some of us corral those ideas and serve them up in different ways. Um, And that wouldn't necessarily be a problem, except for the fact that sometimes what ends up in our bucket (laughs) isn't necessarily an idea that we came up with or it's somebody else's idea that we're serving up and vice versa, other people are serving up our ideas. And I think part of the challenge, Jeffrey, and feel free to to push back on this a little bit, is that, you know, if this were like the Star Trek universe and we all had, you know, um, we all had houses, our houses paid for and we all got to do the work that we wanted to do and we didn't have to worry about money and career and things like that, it might not be such a problem. But for a select few of us, we make our living off of the ways that we adapt and synthesize and collect and and curate ideas, right? There are some which we own, you know, I I have air quotes, there are some that we own, and then there are some that we borrow, and then there are some that nobody owns, and we don't know what to do with it. So I think that's part of the crux, is that we are creatives whose work depends upon a foundation of commerce. Um, And as long as that's there, we we need to talk about not only the, I guess, the creative and or spiritual impetus of where ideas come from, but how we build our living around those ideas. Does that seem fair, Jeffrey?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great sum up. And I'm glad you started by looking at our times. Um, The the thievery, consciously or not, artistically or not, of, of ideas has been going on for a long time. but what's particularly new to our times um, and and being an artist, being a business artist in our times has to do with the proliferation of ideas via the internet specifically and and digital technology. So I think that's unique and I think that's why this conversation just needs to be brought up yet again. Um, I also think and really appreciate your uh, acknowledging that commerce is... Uh, art and commerce. We've, we want to talk about art being the generation of, of novel ideas um, in, in a variety of contexts. That's what we're talking about is art and commerce and many of us do make our living via our signature ideas and uh, and so I kinda add that signature element too because well, what makes for a signature idea which is a little tricky business. But because we do make our living um, off of our ideas or off of our musical melodies and our artistic designs and so forth, then I think it it benefits us personally to have this conversation. Um, But uh, I think in the course of our conversation, too, I'd like to hit on some other benefits for having this conversation, why this conversation matters.
0: Yeah, and what I wanna say, and I won't speak for Jeffrey on this one, but I'm not coming to the conversation with a art versus commerce attitude. I, I, the starving artist thing is a complete load of bollocks that I'm not saying that you know you can either be a creative or you can be commercially you know um, prosperous. I'm not coming to the conversation with that, but we recognize that there are these two dimensions that we live in simultaneously. Sometimes we can get them in alignment. Sometimes we can't. Uh, but they're not fundamentally two different things.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think <clears throat> it would help then to just kind of maybe start identifying the best we can. Um, uh, what what's the problem that that we're even addressing? Um, would that be a helpful place to further the? I gave the landscape,
0: so you give the problem. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so, um, so the
1: problem arises uh, in two, three, or four areas that I think will be of interest to the audience. One is um, in our role as bloggers. Um, there sometimes is a a thievery of ideas in in, in taking somebody's ideas and putting it in a blog or another piece of writing without attribution. Uh also as teachers and consultants. We may be teaching an idea. We may be consulting with an idea and presenting it as our own when it's actually someone else's signature idea. And again, the signature element. We know that tons of little ideas float in the air, but what makes for a signature idea, a unique spin, a unique synthesis, unique angle and combination? Um, Let's see. What's the other um, role? Maybe that's it. Is uh, writers, consultants, teachers—that's um, the—that's the problem we're trying to address. And specifically, when we when we steal somebody's ideas and present it as our own without attribution, without attributing where we actually got the idea. Now, this is tricky, murky business. And Charlie and I could wax philosophical for three hours alone just on the nature of. The Tao of influence, but we're not going to do that. (laughs) We're going to assume (laughs) that we all understand that ideas float around and it's, you know, the mind's tricky, the memory's tricky. We know all that. But let's talk about okay, here's a defined problem that we do sometimes knowingly and sometimes borderline unknowingly take other people's ideas and don't give accurate attribution. Is that a fair summary of the problem.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's, and, you know, though both Jeffrey and I have taught, you know, in the academic institutions in different ways, we definitely don't want to come from this from like the, that cold sort of slapping your hand plagiarism point of view, right? Plagiarism is such a bad word. And even when we were talking about, you know, when we are going through our, our pre-jam sort of warm up for this, um, I was more hesitant to, to mention stealing and things like that because that loads the question in such a way that I think it it inhibits the conversation, right? Because, you know, there is an ethical framework here. And Jeffrey's like, Charlie, this isn't going to be philosophy. And I'm like, I I know, it's not going to be philosophy. (laughs) But what we want to say is like, we want to open it. We want to come from this from an abundant space. I mean, I know it's weird that we're talking about stealing. And (laughs) at the same time, we're, we're approaching this from the position of like, we want to take the best steps we can to honor the work of other people. Both because it's what what's the generous and right thing to do, but also because it's a reciprocity here. We want others to do the same for us, right? That's that's really where I want to make sure that we're talking about this from. And so, you know, Jeffrey talked about the different contexts that we come as as artists or as you know um, writers, as business leaders, you know, um, teachers. But let's take a step back and think about how ideas come to be, right? Because there are different ways in which we're in we're swimming in the sea. In one way we have independent development. Someone alone working on something, right? This is the myth of creativity. Well, I call it the myth. Jeffrey might disagree with me, right? No,
1: I am nodding my head and yeah. name it. Nothing comes this, out of nothing.
0: Yeah, there's this idea that this person in this cave, or you know, in this in this writer's den or you know in this lab coming up with something all by his or herself. That's independent development. There's a second murkier place where it's independent co-development, where this is where the people are observing the same trends or talking to the same people and they are coming up with their own signature ideas, but they're doing it at the same time somebody else is. Now, history is full of things like that. I think from my perspective, the, the one that's most present to me is um, Leibniz and Newton co- you know, co-developing calculus or independently co- de- co-developing calculus. Um, they were talking to the same people, same problem, same sort of time. You know, they lived not too far away from each other. And boom, two versions of calculus that were conceptually very similar came about at the same time. That's what I would like to call independent co-development. Then there's a third category of co-creative development. Now, this is, the I think, the most troubling one in the sense that... Um, it's the one that's most sneaky. We don't recognize when we're in co-creative um, development, um, and I think this is part of, the, of part of the world we live in now. Co-creative development is when you're talking to the same people, you're jamming on something, but you're looking at the problem in slightly different ways, or maybe you're reading different sources, or maybe you're everybody's reading Seth Godin and Seth Godin says something that generates you know lateral ideas, and boom, people co-create. <laughs> what seems to be the same solution maybe with different language because you know we're in a marketing game as well and then lastly and this is the one that i was i was hesitant to 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 call stealing but it's when there's the the theft of somebody else's idea there's an idea that's out there you know where it came from and you deliberately use that without giving credit to the person or organization or the source that you got it from Um, You know, there are probably finer shades of gray that can come in between these, but I think these are sort of the four conceptual categories that we can talk about to sort of frame the conversation. Jeffrey, did I miss anything on that one?
1: No, I I just want to add a couple of uh, things to that. It's great framing of those four uh, categories uh, to uh, iterate on the, the first one about independent development and just why it doesn't exist is you know I was drawing a map of an idea where does an idea come from it comes from you know sensory impressions but also our culture and the spirit of our own times right Mm -hmm. go back to Hegel and others that you know ideas come from the culture in which we live and um, and now we're in a time uh, with such rapid technology where we're getting information getting ideas from others that we even if we think we create in a vacuum we don't create in a vacuum Um, I just wanted to um, also elaborate on something, because you mentioned business leaders, and that was the other role and category I was thinking of as business owners, because you can also steal signature methods and even signature systems from others, and I'd like to address, well, how, how, how might you do that ethically? Uh, and uh, so I, I have an idea that I actually got from a Forbes writer uh, that I'll share with you and not steal.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And while we're on this one, there's a great book by Stephen Johnson called. I was just going to you know, where that. good ideas come from um, mm-hmm. the natural innovation of or the natural history of innovation. It's a great read. There's another one um, by. Oh, it's Here Comes Everybody by uh, who wrote Here Comes Everybody. Um, Clay Shirky. Clay Shirky, wrote Here Comes Everybody, um, which is another book about what happens when you go into places where um, there's a lot of collaboration and and ideas. So that'd be another source. And Jeffrey, I'll go ahead and let you mention the essay that we both read before this as sort of some inspiration for this.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, It's by Jonathan uh, Latham, and it's called The Ecstasy of Influence. It originally appeared in Harper's Magazine way back in 2007 and was republished in the Best American Essays 2008. Uh, it's called The Ecstasy of Influence, which is actually an allusion to uh, the Anxiety of Influence by Harold Bloom. And it just, it, it offers an essayist uh, mashup uh, collage approach to the subject and hits on a lot of different topics there
0: yeah. yeah we'll put these sources in the show notes or in the in the in the recording notes that way you can go check out these ideas too um we didn't frame this up front but we do want this to be an open conversation um we have some follow-on ideas where we can pull people on and actually have a conversation because again i think the challenge is we know this is going on and we're not really talking about it Um, And we're not talking about it from a place where it's open for constructive change as opposed to just hand slapping. Um, So um, I interrupted you, though, Jeffrey. Keep going. You mentioned business leaders. No,
1: no, I I think that was it. I just wanted to mention that also with business leaders and business owners, there's uh, sometimes stealing signature methods and systems. And Danny Brown is one person who does head up conversations on social media and ethics in social media. And he was one who. Um, a couple of years ago showed how a major advertising agency had pretty much stolen, it was so obvious, blatantly stolen the whole structure, premise, idea of another independent video and without any attribution. And the Greek chorus was all over the place in terms of whether or not that was ethical, appropriate, or if it's just, you know, dog-eat-dog sort of world and so forth. So I just wanted to mention that area, too. So... um, so that's kind of where we're headed, Charlie, and I think that's really good framing. I did want to add one more thing about why it matters. You mentioned, you know, us. It's important for us ourselves in terms of preserving um, what is ours. Um, there's also just your colleagues and your profession and your field that you alluded to that I think is important, that if if you really have respect for your profession, and you really honor your profession, then you honor and respect the other people also in in your field, and so you elevate the field rather than trying to hoard <laughs> ideas and claiming that they're uh, your own. But ultimately, the real benefactor is, I think, our communities, our communities, because if I read uh, a blog article that somebody reads and I wow, that is a great idea, and then they show me attribution, that I'm actually going to go on a thread. Of that idea. And I am served all the more as a reader or consumer through that attribution, through showing the thread. So I think the real benefactors are our respective communities or patches of the planet.
0: Yeah. Well, and there's, I say this coming from, you know, my background as a philosopher is like, we've been tackling the same sort of challenges for recorded history. <laughs> and I find I always love chasing those links back because that's work somebody else has done that I don't need to recreate the wheel all over again. It's like, oh, you know, Jim Collins has already figured that out, right? I can adapt Jim Collins, right? I can I can really make it, you know, fit this context. But I'm not doing Jim Collins' work all over again, or Peter Drucker, or Plato, or Aristotle. Like, there's so much cultural capital and. You know, um, just a, a treasure trove of solutions and ideas and insights that I think as we illuminate that, we save, you know, there's, there's nothing quite like coming across that idea that really scratches the itch you've been having. And there's a sort of like, thank you, somebody has figured that out. That's one more thing I can let go. So I can focus on what's signature to my body of work. Right, right. Um, and so there's there's that piece too. Um, yeah. In some ways, I think, and we didn't mention this before the call, Jeffrey, but I'm going to put this as an aside. And some people might not care, but I know you and I do. In some ways, we are cultural stewards as well, right? Um, Some of us, you and I, have broken out of the academic institution. And there's this rich body of culture and history and solutions and insights that I would like to preserve. Like I'm not talking about preserve it in the Google Books way, I'm talking about observe it as far as living, breathing ideas that have relevance for us. And so there's this third benefit of tracing that is that you preserve the very culture and it's something that we can give to our kids, the storytelling around our culture and ideas and so on and so forth. So there's that piece I'd like to put out there too.
1: That's beautiful, right, exactly. You know, I mean, you just remind me that what we're talking about is preserving. It's preserving even the past of ideas, even the history of ideas, even if the past was last week on somebody else's blog. (laughs) There's that. So, um, yeah, should we we transition to some... What do you got there?
0: Oh, degrees of attribution. I was going to talk about... Yeah, degrees of attribution. Yeah. Yeah,
1: the ways that we attribute. Yeah, maybe we can talk about the degrees of attribution and then, like... What do we do, and how can we elevate the culture and the field? Um, yeah,
0: I think before we do that, though, we yeah, we, we made one of those assumptions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm not saying that we we're going to go all like justifying that assumption, but we're assuming that like just blatantly stealing people's ideas is not something that that we want to do, or that that's something that that we want to um, just keep that going. So we're assuming that we want to find better ways to honor the work of other people and, you know, all the other things. And so I just want to go ahead and say that, like, it's an assumption, but it's still worth bringing out that, um, to the degree that we can, that we honor the work of other people and, um, at least be conscious and aware of where we might be getting our ideas so we can do the work of attribution.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I really appreciate exposing the assumption because that assumption underlies everything. And <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so degrees of attribution, I've thought about this a lot, you know, I did used to teach uh, literature and creative writing courses um, at all different levels and inevitably not only the subject of plagiarism would come up but then when we get into, quote, literary allusions. It then inevitably assume it would say, well isn't that stealing? And so this is tricky territory, but there are all kinds of ways to make um illusions. So, you know, in Steve Jobs' sort of seminal disruptive nineteen eighty four video where he uh indirectly takes on the the giant uh IBM uh in that not, that video called nineteen eighty four he's alluding, they're deliberately alluding to George Orwell's book 1984 and even if people hadn't read it they were familiar with it especially you know approaching 1984 so that's an allusion but they don't need a little citation that says you know idea inspired by George Orwell's 1984 as a footnote you know they don't need that because so that's one degree of attribution uh, is allusion you're alluding but that assumes that at least some part of your audience is going to know what the original reference is. So, um, uh, so that's one playful way, actually, to preserve the culture. I want to write a little booklet called uh, After the Ecstasy, the Wonder. And I don't know if you know what that alludes to, but it alludes to um, a book by Jack Cornfield called After the Ecstasy, the Laundry which is about like you've had this great experience and you go back and do these daily things. Well, I'm, I've got this daily, you know, this this booklet about after the ecstasy, the wonder. And I'm like wrestling with like legal issues and so forth. Like, can I even make it that close? Which I think I can um, because it's not his signature title. It's a, an, it's an illusion. It's a reference to it. And if I wanted to, I could in, include on the first page, you know, title inspired by Jack Kornfield's uh, mm-hmm. book, um, after the ecstasy, the, the laundry. So illusion's one, one degree. And this is kind of what musicians called sampling. It's what David Shields talks about that basically all of all artistic creation is just a bunch of sampling and collaging and yeah. remixing and so forth. I yeah. Think the I mean, problem- so
0: let me jump in real quick. So yeah, we've got the commercial, yeah, we got 1984, we've got musicians, it happens all the time in movies. So, "O oh, Brother, Where Art Thou?" is an interesting one, right? Um, so, actually, is Fifty Shades of Grey? You know, um, there there are a lot of different works. I don't
1: know. I don't know what that would allude to. What does that would allude to?
0: It's actually um, Twilight fan fiction is the is the basis for Fifty Shades, right? And so, there's a whole other conversation, but basically, there's a structure in which someone takes it and alludes to it, builds on, and I know you're going to talk about other degrees of attribution. Um, this is quite common. And, you know, when I, when I was teaching um, philosophy and also being a, a writing tutor, there's this problem of what's called common knowledge. So there's certain ideas that get to become common knowledge are in the public domain, right? And so we don't necessarily have to reference um, some of the things that come from the Christian Bible when they're common ideas. We know, you know, certain things like that. And then there are tricky areas. Do you... Do you reference Plato's tripartite view of the soul? Is that common knowledge or not? And so, I mean, there. What we're trying to say here is, it's really tricky business. It's not black or white here, but I think it's it's about the intention. And when we mentioned earlier, um, and I meant to talk a little bit more about this, about the co-creative development um, in the world that we live in, a lot of what we do is we'll read something and we'll we'll alter it a little bit. We'll you know we'll change a little bit, and sometimes we don't know it. Um, and so, again, not that there's a clear black and white here, um, but this is a common practice. And it, we're asking the question of, to what degree is it, you know, just good creative work, good professional creative work to yeah. cite the people around you? Right. I made that point too many times. Keep rolling, Jeffrey.
1: No, no, that's good. It's good. And, the, you know, the, there are um, – then there's iterating and emulating. So, right. Uh, oh, brother, uh, where art thou? It's a great – iteration and even emulation on the Odyssey and and really taking it a step further and the Iliad was also another iteration and emulation of the Odyssey and so that is those are actually ways of preserving the culture and helping us see how as original as we think we are in this year in the early 21st century we're really not we're just adding our own verse to the whole Universe of humanity and all the themes we and stories we run through, so that can be a playful way is to take what somebody's done, even structurally, and riff on it and play on it, but then even possibly attribute it. You know, make some make some attribution to it. Um, so, one uh, I did want to say, just very pragmatically, what we can do as bloggers is go back to what was about blogging in the internet 15 years ago and use the hyperlink. I think when you know bloggers are really starting getting their groove around 2004, or 2005, a lot of the political bloggers and the intellectual bloggers were constantly they were blogging every day first, and they were constantly cross-referencing each other. They were constantly in conversation, constantly debating each other. And I miss that facet of blogging. Mm-hmm. And the part that's different now about the blogosphere, then 10 years ago is actually the commerce and this is where I think you know you're introducing the commerce part of it is relevant because I suspect people consciously or unconsciously when they're trying to carve their territory in their respective playing fields and commerce is involved then they don't want to attribute their competitors within their playing field and so if we could see it more generously as a conversation of ideas and that there's enough room in the playing field if you're good at playing there's enough room in the playing field for you to reference even your competitors and even treat them as idea collaborators Mm -hmm. uh, then you are operating from abundance to use your word you are operating from generosity as opposed to hoarding. Yeah. Um, so gonna, show yeah. your threads, that's kinda of the phrase I was I thought of um, in, in prep for this jam is show your threads or what yeah. Jen Loudon because I do want to reference somebody else who has been in this conversation who actually started this jam for us is Jen Loudon. Uh, Jen brought this up uh, last year and I jumped right in and said, yes, this is really bothering me, how people steal ideas and use them as their own and so forth. And she wrote a great, great piece about claim your lineage, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is a way to honor your tradition, honor your field, elevate your field, but claim your lineage was her way of saying it as well. But hyperlink is just such an easy way to engage in conversation outside of you, just yourself.
0: Yeah, I think actually Jennifer's, um, Jen Loud, who I love to death, that's actually a good case for independent co-development when you think about it, because we've been talking about this since like 2000, like late 2012, when we started talking about this, like, you know, we should probably talk about that at some point. That's right. So finally, you know, we got on the horn. It's like, let's do something. And <laughs> it turned out for us, both sitting down and writing essays was not going to happen. So... <laughs> this is what you get instead. so yeah, I mean we we had been talking about that then Jennifer wrote it and then I mean this is what happens, right? this is a it's it's a common problem here. I do want to temper something though. I don't I think com- the commercial aspect is one of the reasons why we don't do as many backlinks and pingbacks. I also think the context of two thousand four and the proliferation of ideas is really huge because there weren't as many people writing. like you could right. reasonably read up with most of the prominent bloggers and, I mean that's back when when like we were first starting to figure out what rss was and google reader was still alive there was no twitter there was no there was no facebook there was no linkedin and so the degree to which we were in the flood the, the sea of information wasn't as big and so you can see the people swimming in it a lot better right now there's just so much information going on that i mean i'll i am going to get myself in trouble here jeffrey but i oh well that's what we're about good good Yeah. One is I don't read as much of other people's blogs as I used to, right? Don't have the time. There's so many. Um, The second is there was a while, I'm going to be very cautious here. It seemed like in 2000, from like 2009 to about 2000, mid 2012, there was a drop in quality of content that happened across the web. And I was just guilty of myself, right? Because we started figuring out the craft of blogging and started figuring out all of the best practices. And I think in some degrees, the art of writing and conversation suffered. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing an uptrend. Again, I, I'm hopeful that that trend is changing. Um, but I, I think we'd have to put those as far as landscape items goes. It's not just the fact that people were making money. There's a lot more information. And information sped up and got faster which mean people didn't tend the art as much as they used to and so i would i definitely want to put those on the board right
1: i, I really appreciate that i appreciate uh uh putting in those those conditions to the conversation i think you're Absolutely right and spot on. I also wanted to uh, reference somebody else too, who um, who saved me <laughs> trying to do something like this. Like when this was really bothering me was a couple of years ago, and it was bothering me so much that um, I um, was was creating some affiliate pages for for a program, and uh, and I used the structure of one of my colleague's affiliate pages. But before I did so, I actually emailed her and I said. Is this okay? Uh, can I use the structure of your affiliate page? It wasn't even the content. It was just the structure. It's like taking the structure of somebody's story. And, and then I attributed it. I actually put it at the bottom. Uh, and she said, thank you for doing that. Because actually uh, a lawyer who was a former client, I think, uh, just stole my website code <laughs> without any attribution and so forth. So then I was really bothered and I thought, okay, I've gotta, I'm going to come up with some sort of project to raise attention to this. But it turns out that Maria uh, Popova of Brain Pickings has already done it uh, and a couple of years ago she introduced the Curator's Code which is a standard, She uh, the subtitle is a standard for honoring attribution of discovery across the web. It's such a nice way to say it, the Curator's Code. A standard for honoring attribution of discovery across the web she's got all kinds of guidelines and would you know that she caught all kinds of flack as, as being elitist for, for suggesting that people should uh attribute uh while they discover across the web but I, I just wanted to offer that example too in showing your threads
0: yeah you know that kind of reminds me of um well, I'll say it this way. Hi, I'm Charlie. I used to be a music, th- <laughs> a music thief because I used to, you know, back when Napster, you remember back in 1999 sure. to 2003 oh, right, or so, right. yeah, before iTunes really took off. I was a, I was a pirate for music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as my work started to depend more and more, as my living became more and more dependent upon my singular ideas, I had more and more problems with that practice because it just became like. <laughs> I don't know. It's like stealing from your brothers, right. In the sense that they were creating something. And so though, you know, one view of Maria's work is that, yeah, it's, it's incredibly like elitist, but I'm like, you know what? I, I think it's honoring the community in the sense of that we're all in this and we're all waking up and putting a lot of time and thought into sharing ideas and for different reasons, but still, I um, mean, it's just honoring that, you know, and I don't, I'd have to read through why she caught so much flack on that. But anyways.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, uh, uh, I was and still am a research geek. I was the, you know, I was the dork who used to get lost in the library stacks for hours, literally on a trail of other scholars' works cited. The works cited and the bibliographies. That's kind of, in a way, what we're talking about. So how do we digitally create works cited? and bibliographies. Do you create footnotes, which I've actually done in some of my blog pieces almost comically and even making fun of my own footnoting, but it is a way uh, when I can't hyperlink, but also something else uh, I started doing is, this is where we get into the role of being a teacher and a consultant, Mm -hmm. is with my programs. Um, With your potential difference in your art mark, I created uh, JPEG cited a gallery of JPEG Works it's on the sales page, so people could actually see the, you know, 20 books I would be referencing and, and citing, even if they didn't want to take the program, well, they could, you know, follow my trail, and mm-hmm. so that was just, that's just a con, uh, a new development that I've thought of that just seems responsible, because, again, not just responsible ethically, but even responsible to my community, so they can follow the trail that I've been on.
0: Yeah. On that same note, um, I think what it is, and I've worked on this myself, is tempering the urge to go from draft to publish, <laughs> right? And I, I know we're all busy and we're all doing things and trying to ship things, but, you know, right before you hit publish or right, before, you know, as you're going through there, just taking a step and saying, where might I have gotten these ideas from, right? Um, whose work does this sound similar to? And then spending a little time to go back and actually find that work. Hey, the, I got this from Jeffrey. I read this post a few years ago, and I know that requires a lot of you know effort and sort of pausing and discipline to do that. Um, but it's also just being very intentional about the work that you create, and in going above the going above and beyond this call not to steal, but actively going and seeing whose work you can shine your light on too because that's one of the things i get really excited about is like not only do i get to write this great piece or you know this piece that i think matters i get to show somebody else's work that matters too
1: that's right exactly you put it in conversation which is you know hundreds of years ago it's what Montaigne and other essayists were doing they would bring in other thinkers in the conversation and that's what you're doing you're bringing others into the conversation yeah. um you know we don't have the little uh, index card systems for writing down our notes anymore. But we do have Evernote, which is just a great way, great free program at one level uh, that anybody can download, Evernote.com and use it as a way to keep track of your online discoveries. And then, just as you said, Charlie, which is brilliant, just you know pause before you hit submit uh, and check your Evernote files <laughs> and see if you could attribute uh, some of the possible influences of your own brilliant ideas.
0: Yeah. And while we're on that, and this wasn't on Jeffrey's list, but this is also using the social web in the way that that's available is you've got services like Goodreads. That is a great place to go and either preserve quotes for in the public commons. So other people can see that if you're reading things, it's an incredible service to go through there. Not only is it convenient for you because you get to keep up with your own library, it's also a great way to do that. And, you know, back in the day, actually back in the day, it's not that long ago, <laughs> there used to be like Delicious and some of those social bookmarking sites. And they never really caught on for some people, but I missed them in the sense that, you know, that was a great way. I read this. I'm going to share. I'm going to read this. And so you can think of your Twitter stream or your Facebook or Google Plus stream as a way of honoring that as well and sharing and putting it forward. Um, normally we think in terms of just, you know, either idea discovery or self-promotion or conversation. But there's also this aspect of you can find some of Jeffrey's great work and push it out in the stream and say, hey, guys, I've, you know, this was a great idea. And I would say that at least if down the road you end up borrowing that idea unintentionally, <laughs> at least you shared, you know, the source down the stream. So it's, you know, that person got the light shone, light shone on them during that period of time.
1: That's a, really, that's a great point, Charlie, that goes back to your sense of abundance and generosity. I think generosity, being generous with our ideas is so important. While still maintaining our own self-interest and self-preservation, otherwise we'll burn out. Um, but I think that generosity of spirit is so important. I attended a, uh, a panel yesterday on book marketing and I was reminded how tight i'm i 'm going to get myself in trouble, but I was reminded how tight writers can be how how we can be very closed in and keep everything close to our chest and protect it because we feel like somebody's going to steal our one baby of of a book and um and so if they could see i was I, w- I was so wanting to speak, but I just had to keep my mouth shut because I was in the audience and um, but I've wanted, I've wanted them to recognize how being generous via social media and sharing other people's ideas 80% or more of the time would actually do wonders for your book marketing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> st- yeah. There was a, um, in Michael Bungay Staniers' book, In Malaria, mm. I think it was Kevin Kelly that wrote about what you actually want is for people to snatch that idea and share it before you do. Because mm. if, and I've said this in the past, if you're an artist, if you're a consultant, if you're a coach, if you're a writer, and one person can steal your idea and ruin your career, guess what? You are never really a writer or an artist or a coach. or. A con- I mean, <laughs> if, if, it's, if all it no, takes is one person to snatch that idea and there's your entire career, that's not much of a career, guys.
1: Like, Yeah, no, it, that's a very good point. I think, um, who is it, Chris, uh, Chris Anderson of Wired pretty much said the same thing, too, uh, and he You know, he often will crowdsource his ideas when they're in vitro, more or less. And he even said, if somebody else was smart enough and quick enough to take my idea, then maybe it just really wasn't my idea to begin with. I thought, wow, that's a very comfortable, generous place to be in. But we can find our own middle ground uh, with this. There was... um, I wanted to... uh, bring one more topic in about uh, for for businesses and i cannot find the source and i just read it a week or two ago right after you and i planned to have this jam and i so i can't believe i can't find it. i thought i could google
0: what was the concept because i probably read it, it, it. again
1: so it's in Forbes, okay. it in Forbes magazine. It was basically, and it had steal in the title. It was basically how to steal ideas ethically. It was something to that effect. It was just like so right on topic. Um, but his approach was, his take was, yes, businesses do steal from each other. Um, where he thinks it's just derivative, even to use your third category, is derivative is when um, a business in one field steals a system or a method from a business in another field. And he cites uh, one computer company stealing the whole packaging approach, the whole delight-based packaging approach of Apple. How they try to make that theirs um, and it just didn't work because it really wasn't coming from the integrity of that computer company the way it does come from the integrity of Apple. Um, So first he was suggesting, you know, steal from uh, someone in another field, steal from a business in another field, so it doesn't feel so derivative. And that's going to force you to make it truly your own. So I thought that was an interesting interesting take. Yeah. Uh, I I wanted to get your thoughts on that.
0: Well, I get into this one a lot when I I go into strategy and strategy execution with clients, because there's a point in which clients are like, I want to guard this strategy because I don't want somebody else. It's like, no, people can steal your tactics. They can, do the, they can look at your sales page and they can look at how you do that and steal that. No one can steal your unique and winning strategy. They just can't replicate it. Um, I can't be Jeffrey Davis. I can't be Chris Gilbo, I can't be Pam Slam. I can't be Seth Godin. They have a particular way in which they harness their creativity, build a business structure around it, and employ that business. And it works for them. I can't do that. So this whole idea that someone can steal your strategy is more, and that this might sound elitist, so put me in Maria, Maria's can, but you're not understanding what strategy is if you think that it can be stolen, right? Again, well, they the, straight, strategy,
1: the strategy can't be stolen. They just can't replicate the spirit and essence. They of,
0: can't replicate the spirit, really the essence your, and essence, yeah. and success. I mean, basically, if they can't. They can't steal the strategy. <laughs> they just can't replicate the spirit and essence. Yeah, I mean, and so even if they did steal it, and I, I'm the same way about ideas in general. Like, if someone steals your idea, and they're able to replicate it to the same degree of voice, and resonance, and alignment, and fit that you can. I'm with Chris Anderson. It wasn't your idea, right? There's only like Jeffrey and I can talk about the same idea, the exact same idea, but the way in which we're going to talk about that is going to be different, right? Right. Um, That happens. So, so
1: exactly. And now, then we get to, so we're going to bring, so I'm going to complicate it a little bit more too here. Um, and maybe we should go soon because I just see that I'm. Uh, I need to get to another meeting. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're beginning somewhere on this. We're starting the three-hour talk about things. So. That's right. That's right. People, we are coming um, to an end of this conversation. We are coming to an end.
1: Is that um, we can define ourselves according to our signature ideas. We we do. Some of us do have signature ideas that are signature combinations. They don't come out of nothing, but there are signature synthesis combinations. Our fresh angles. We can still attribute. The sources of influence to those signature ideas it is when somebody steals your signature idea and tries to make it their own that we get back to our original problem so i just wanted to do a non-vicious circle back to where yeah. we began
0: yeah I'm, I'm i'm gonna bookend it this way i'm gonna start the bookend you can't control what other people do fundamentally what this conversation is really about is what we as generous and open-minded creative professionals will do and you know people are going to steal they're going to scrape they're going to borrow they're going to do all sorts of different things and there are not as many people that do that as you might think but there are enough that it's a problem don't worry about them (laughs) find your own ways to honor the work of other people find your own ways to um, stay present to the public comment of ideas that we're in and preserving that and just do that more than you worry about anything else
1: well said, well said, Charlie. I can't add any more to that, but
0: I probably will steal that idea tomorrow. Okay, <laughs> well, we co-created it, so it's all good. Um, just give me a link in the in the post. <laughs> all righty, again, guys. This is Charlie Gilkey from Productive Flourishing. Thanks for taking the time out um, today to listen to us. Um, we're gonna have some follow-on ways to connect and converse about this idea. So I hope that it was interesting to you. From my part, you know, go start finishing the stuff that matters, Jeffrey.
1: Be well. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for running with me, Charlie. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to The Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, creative Giant.